Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible reveals many deep and mysterious truths. Perhaps the greatest mystery is that it reveals two central persons, one male and one female, and the romance that ensues between these two persons. It begins in the first pages of Genesis and continues throughout the entire Bible until it is ultimately consummated in the closing passages of Revelation. Have you ever seen the divine romance? You surely will not want to miss today's life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Francis Ball has joined us once again, and Francis, welcome back. We're happy to have you. We're going to see a marvelous romance unveiled on the program today. Yes, I'm looking forward to this unusual message, I would say. It's a marvelous message, Francis. I think we would put it in the category of one of the classics by Witness Lee. It's full of vision and depth, and it unveils God's eternal purpose, and that he has been propelled by his love for man, and he desires above all to enjoy man as his loving counterpart for eternity. This is quite a view of the Bible, isn't it? It's certainly a different view than is commonly spoken of and experienced by believers today. To see this kind of love relationship is really, I would say, a hidden part in the Word of God. Well, Francis, let's join Witness Lee, and then you and I will get back and have some fellowship on this very mysterious yet profound and marvelous portion in God's Word. Firstly, God created man. Created man with the purpose to have what? To have a lot of slaves. (laughs) To have a lot of uh, servants. Maid servant, a lot of ministers, a lot of preachers, a lot of apostles, bishops. What purpose? Well, to answer this, you have to read the whole Bible from the first page to the last page. You could see if you are not preoccupied. Sorry, even you young people in America, sorry, you all got preoccupied. You saw some. Uh, children book on the Bible, the story book, pictures of Christ, Jesus. Oh, you heard a lot of things. Preoccupation. You must drop that. Try. You come to the Bible with a pure view, without any preoccupation. You read through, then you could see, oh, God created man with the purpose to get a counterpart. God was not a fighter. God was a lover. He created a man in the image of a lover. Actually, he created a lover for himself. The angels didn't know how to love him. So he came to create a man with his kind of being, in his image. That means in his kind of being. He's loving. He likes to have 
a creature also loving. Not loving others, but loving him. There will be a mutual loving between him and man created by himself. Now you can understand in those prophets' books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hosea, you are told clearly God came to them in the way of dating. And eventually in the way of courting. God courted them. Oh, you better read Ezekiel 16. How it describes God saw Israel. Oh, God fell in love with her. and God covered her. And Jeremiah 2.2. 2, no doubt that refers to the Exodus time. In Exodus chapters 1 through 19. That was the youth of Israel. And God could never forget their kind of espousal love. You brothers who love your wives to such an extent, you all know this story. Love blind people. God, after his creation, he came in to select a people. And he did fall in love with her. Francis, this brings up a very interesting point. Who hasn't asked themselves at one time or another in their life, why did God create man? Or even more specifically, why did God create me? Francis, quite honestly, did you ever consider that God's intention was that man, even you, would be part of his corporate lover, his bride? I'm sorry to say that I never had that realization. For many years of my Christian life, my main thought was that God wants me to serve him and that he really created me. I wasn't sure why. I guess to go to heaven and to worship him. I think that was really my thought, that God created man to have someone to worship him. But I never really knew what that worship meant. But I think in this message, we're seeing something unfolded to realize what this relationship is between God as a lover and man as the one that's being loved. Not only being loved, but should be the one who responds to the loving God. God's desire is to be one with man in this loving relationship. And we're seeing now that God wants a response from man that he created for this purpose. Francis, this thought that you expressed that we were created to uh, worship God and go to heaven, I think is probably the common thought. We, uh, virtually all of God's people probably are in a similar notion. But as you consider a young man seeking the favor of uh, say, the young woman that he hopes will eventually be his lifelong partner, if this was the relationship that existed, it would be somewhat frustrating, wouldn't it? It certainly would. You know, I've thought of this in connection with God who loved Israel and expressed his love to Israel, but Israel's response was, all that God has said we will do. This frustrated God, even caused him to shake the mountain and fire to come down on the mountain. And I realize that this is sometimes the feeling that a young man may have for a young woman. And she wants to respond, and she says, yeah, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll iron your clothes. I'll fix your meals. And he's saying, no, I don't want that. I want you to love me. I think this is what frustrates God when he expresses his love and gets that kind of reaction. Francis, let's rejoin Witness Lee. When the New Testament time came, he came. As what? As a bridegroom. Amen. John the Baptist shouted, Behold, the Lamb of God. Out of the same mouth, a bridegroom came. The Lamb of God 
the very Redeemer is our groom. The bridegroom came for the bride. John the Baptist said, He that has the bride is the bridegroom. Amen. Christ is the one who will have the bride. So he is the bridegroom. God incarnated to be not only a savior, but also a bridegroom. The Matthew 9, Jesus himself told us he was there a bridegroom. The blind Pharisees, they never saw this. He is the bride of a groom with the divine life and the divine nature. And we are going to be his bride, yet we don't have the divine life and divine nature. He would say, this can never match me. In John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, told us that regeneration is our portion. Amen. To make us what? To make us regenerated people, right? For what purpose? For us to be the bride. Amen. Whom the bridegroom was going to have. Amen. If you and I sinners are not regenerated with the divine life, to have the divine nature, how Christ take us as his bride. He is such a high person with the divine life, and we are such low persons without the divine life. How could we be his counterpart? Impossible. So we need the regeneration to have another life, which is his life. And this life makes us fitting in him to match him. So we, the regenerated people, become his counterpart. Amen. Then, at the end of this age, at the end of this dating, courting, engaging dispensation, there will be a wedding. That Christ will marry us in Revelation chapter 19. At the end of the Bible, you have only a marriage life in eternity. This is God's romance. Have you got this divine romance? Francis, we saw very clearly and strikingly that the law or the commandments given to Israel in Exodus actually constituted the terms of the engagement, the engagement agreement of God to his people. This was a revolutionary view of the commandments. Now today we're seeing many New Testament passages also reveal this romance between God and man. But we have to admit that these also have been hidden. We just don't hear this side much. Can there be any doubt after seeing these passages, such as the one in Matthew, those in John and Revelation that Witness Lee referred to, that this is clearly God's intention for man? I think that the fact that we've been clouded about this aspect of the relationship between God and man is because we've come to the Bible with already preconceived and preoccupying notions and teachings, and we read past this and don't see it. But now, Witness Lee has brought to our attention that this is a theme, and I would say a basic theme, and maybe the primary theme in the whole Bible, that God's relationship with man is one as a husband to a wife. And here, 
it shows that, as you mentioned in the past program, we had an opportunity to see that giving of the law was really an engagement paper. He started dating Israel with the intention that she would be the wife. And now we see passages in the New Testament, as you pointed out, at least three or four particular passages that really point out this relationship between God and man is one of a romance in the purest sense of the word. It's a shame that we have to use some of these terms to describe this portion of ministry from the Word of God. They're really holy, they're really sanctified, but it's a shame that our culture and society today has made it even difficult at times to use some of these words that should come out quite easily. Yes, even Paul's word to Titus brings this out when he says, "...unto the pure all things are pure, but unto the defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled." So we have to have a revelation concerning God's real intention as we're getting today, and I hope this could really penetrate into the very heart of our listeners that we may really realize what God's intention is for us. Everybody likes to talk about God's love, and that thought too much of the time is just a selfish desire. God loves me, and he does this for me, and so on, but there's not the sense that this is a mutual matter, that God wants to put something inside of us that responds to him in this loving way. Well, the word that you just used, response, is really a key, and that's going to be the key in our final portion. Let's join Witness Lee once again. The whole Bible being a divine story. Yes, it is a story, but a romantic story. The Bible is very romantic. You may say, what do you mean to be romantic? Okay, just read and pray read Song of Songs. You become romantic. The Bible is just a divine romance, full of God datings with man. Right after the fall of man, God came. Adam, where are you? Why you hide yourself from me? That was dating. The God of glory appeared to Abraham. That was dating. In that date, God courted Abraham. Full of God's courting after man. Every courting young man is a troublesome one. Many young girls would say, I don't like him. He just troubles me. The more troublesome, the more courting, the better the husband. Sisters, don't marry one never caught you. You should marry one always calling you after one o'clock in midnight. <laughs> you think I'm too much? Sometimes to this courting one still still four thirty. Ah, I sure wish now it's 6.30, then I can call her. This is what recorded in the Bible. When the Lord Jesus came out, he said, bother people. When he walked along the Galilean seashore, he called Peter, come and follow me. What was that? There was courting. Peter never went to him. All the time, he came to Peter. He bothered Peter. And eventually, in the last chapter of John, he came to Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me more than all these? What is this? That is courting. The Lord Jesus didn't request Peter to love him with a kind of honoring love, or friend love, or pitying love. 
surely a love so affectionate. Don't read John 21. Apart from John 3, the one who was asking Peter, you love me, you love me, you love me, was the bridegroom in chapter 3. And he came to have the bride. So based upon chapter 3, there was a courting talk. Not only so, even chapter 14, the same way. He that loves me, I will love him, and my father will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. He that loves me, sure loves my word. Then I will love him, and I and my father will come to him and make our abode with him. This is marriage, to live together. This is the bridegroom talking to the bride. This is dating and this is courting. I hope the word may revolutionize our old mentality. Whenever the Lord comes to you, that was a dating. And in that dating, there is always the courting. The Old Testament was really spoken in this way. The law was given in a espousal way. Love me. Then the entire New Testament being written in this way. From the first book, Matthew, you have the bridegroom. Then in the epistles, Paul told us clearly, I have espoused you to a husband as a virgin. The whole New Testament has this kind of atmosphere that our Lord, he is the courting one. And we are his love. Well, Francis, as you and I have been talking, when a young man is wooing, even courting a young lady with the hopes of her becoming his bride, he's consumed with her. And really, he's doing all that he can with the hope of getting her to respond. It's the response that becomes all important at that moment. What is the response that God is looking for from us? Well, I believe the response God is looking for in his expression of love is the kind of affectionate love, the love to him like was brought out from Peter. After Peter's failure, the Lord Jesus said to him, Simon, do you love me? And he said again, Simon, do you love me? And then the third time he said, Simon, do you really love me? And uh, he said, you know, Lord, I love you. You know all things. Well, I think that drew out from Peter a real recognition that the kind of love that he had expressed earlier was just a love that was limited by his own nature. But the kind of love God is looking for is a genuine love that comes out of responding to God's love in such an affectionate way that we really are giving back to God the love that he put in our heart for him. I hope we could understand this because as fallen creatures, we are not able to love in response to God's love with some of our own affection. Sometimes in talking to the young people and we're talking about love, I use the word love, L-U-V. That means that's a kind of a Hollywood fallen affection toward someone. But what God is bringing out here and what Witness Lee is bringing to our attention here is God's love is such a love to us that he wants a response so that he can say, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. 
and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and even make an abode with him. And he who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you have heard, which you hear from me, is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. This is the Lord's attitude toward us and toward his desire to get that kind of genuine love from us. He gave us his words, and actually we've been seeing that even the law is the word of God. So now we're coming back to see that these words are to be kept. And I found out the best way to keep his word is to eat it. That is, you pray it until it becomes yours. It comes in you. And with this word in you, you can keep it and you can love him with the love that he has put in you from him. I don't know if we really could grasp this in such a thorough way just by this one message. I hope that we could stay with this theme for a while, Chris, so this could really be worked into people's understanding because we have missed this in much of the Christian teaching today. It's just, Jesus loves me, this I know. But we don't realize that that love is an affection with a pure understanding, a romantic love that God has for man, that he wants man to be his counterpart, his wife for eternity. Now he's working this out. And we have verses in the New Testament that emphasize this fact, that he loves us with the intention that we would be his wife, his counterpart, as a bride would love her husband, her bridegroom. We have that love for him. The bridegroom loves, and we love him back as the bride. Well, Francis, you mentioned uh, some verses in the New Testament. We've touched on that briefly. Uh, most of us, I think, are familiar with a, a very famous passage in Ephesians chapter 5. It's used in uh, frequently in wedding ceremonies, and probably you and I have used those myself in a similar context, and it's very fitting. Christ so loved the church that he gave himself up for her. And we see the marriage picture there very clearly. But that's probably the limit of the context in which most Christians appreciate that passage. But what has struck me today is how broad throughout Scripture this theme presents itself. Well, I believe the whole Bible is on this subject. Actually, when you get this view, you realize that this permeates the whole Bible. This was God's attitude toward his earthly people, Israel. He even defined himself as their husband. He would be a husband to them, and they would be his wife. And in the New Testament, you have a number of references. In Matthew, in John, he's not only the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but he's also the one who has the bride. There's the bridegroom. So he's the bridegroom, and we're the bride. And then you have the same kind of a loving, affectionate way of loving the Lord by Paul when he said he was constrained by the love of Christ. And then he also mentions that he has espoused, that is, he has engaged the church to Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He has espoused God's people to Christ as their engagement and their marriage is coming. And then, of course, in Revelation, we see that eventually he is the bridegroom and he is the husband and the church in the first stage is the bride and eternally is the wife. These are very, very loving scenes. And this is the kind of God we have and the kind of response that he wants from us is to love him with the same kind of love, which can only come from one who has been regenerated, who has grown in life and who has realized that uh, their fallen condition, they could never love God. But in this regenerated condition, 
Now God can have one who is like him, with the same life, the same nature. By our regeneration, we got God's life, and by his imparting himself into us day by day, we partake of his very nature. Now God can marry one who is like him. And God doesn't want to marry man in his fallen condition, but he wants to marry the regenerated and transformed man that will match him in life and in nature. Well, Francis, I like the definition you gave to the response that I asked you about, and that is that we just return to God that which he has already placed within us. That's a very good description. And we will take your exhorting. We'll stay on this topic for at least one more program. Very good. Thank you for being with us today. Enjoyed this very much, Francis. Come back again very soon. Thank you very much. I would love to. Today for Francis Paul, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.